Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and I am joined by our special guest, Jason Mark Campbell. So today, Jason and I are going to be talking about why people need to learn about selling with love. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jason. He is the author of Selling with Love. Isn't that appropriate? Earn with integrity and expand your impact. He is on a mission to inspire small business owners with sales reluctance to embrace it as a beautiful activity that transforms lives. He also interviews thought leaders from around the world on topics of leadership, team building, communication, productivity, and so much more. Jason is a a notable public speaker, and he has shared the stage with the likes of Gary Vee, Jason Silva, Lisa Nichols, and more. And he's spoken at events for HubSpot, Inc. Magazine, and A-Fest. Jason has worked for Mind Valley, a personal growth ad tech company, for seven years. He's been responsible for million-dollar product launches, handling the PR for a New York Times bestselling book, launching the very first membership platforms, selling thousands of people, one-month-long events, and bringing in top-level authors to be published through and by the company. Jason is still an author and host of the platform. As I mentioned, Jason's mission is all about teaching companies to care more. As businesses have so much more power in the capitalist world, If we can educate businesses to take on more responsibility on how they sell, how they market, how they treat their employees, and how even they invest their money, we start shifting the very planet into a better place for all. This is going to be an incredible conversation, Jason. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the wonderful introduction and uh, excited to share. Well, I am too. And for all of you who are joining us for that very first time, make sure you don't miss a single episode of Claim Your Career Crown. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And while I'm on the topic, if you love what we're doing and you love the show, please give us that five-star review. We would very much appreciate it. So Jason, looking at and reading your bio and having talked to you a little bit in the pre-show, I have to say, I mean, what got you inspired and started down this path? Yeah, well, uh, there's a few places that I kind of, you know, highlight the origin story, as we should say. Um, But to me, one of the things that was very interesting was whatever I would go and work for an organization, I would often get a label. And some people might think of it as derogatory label. But for me, it was actually quite a neutral label. I was known as the sales guy. It didn't matter if I was in a in a event position or a marketing position, but I just had this natural enthusiasm and excitement about any idea we wanted to prioritize, any project we wanted to push forward, or whenever we'd find ourselves being in a sales position, I'd be so excited about the revenue numbers, the number of clients that we would have and people would just be like, "Oh, I, that's that's a very interesting energy to have around, you know, driving revenue and, and closing clients." Most people kind of, you know, have this hesitation around sales, or there there's a discomfort around it. And you know, I worked in organizations uh, that had personal growth development and education in their 
um, in their kind of mission. Yet we're dealing with a lot of people that were of my age, even younger, uh, talking millennials, and they all had this a bit of a resistance, this adversity to sales, thinking like, oh, it's it's kind of like a necessary evil for us to continue <laughs> doing the mission we want to do. And I thought that was so strange and it was so weird. And to me, I've always looked at sales as something where you get to solve people's problems and it's an exciting thing. And, you know, I I wanted to bring more of that in the world because I've also witnessed the other side of the coin, which is I see what happens when people who don't care can use the processes and systems and sales that are extremely powerful and use it to manipulate people. And I think, you know, I'd be speaking to an audience who's definitely been exposed to any kind of negative, manipulative, scammy sales scenarios. And in my case, was in my early 20s, having a company that just completely told us all the lies we needed to know to put us into a room to record a testimonial for them, run that as a campaign across Canada as infomercials, only to have them disappear completely unsupportive the moment we walked out of that recording studio. And uh, this was involving real estate, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a long story, but you know, one of the things I realized is if we don't have great people with ethics as their foundation, learn the power of sales, we leave room for manipulative, scammy, organizing companies to take advantage of people. So you could say that's a bit of where I got really motivated to say, hey, we need to teach the right people a way of selling. And the way that I always sold is that people would say, Jason just loves selling. And it kind of stuck. And then I'm like, well, guess what? I think we need to teach people how to sell with love. And that will allow us to really make some problems be solved in the world. Because every problem in the world has to be solved through a sales transaction. Yeah. No, absolutely. Sales is a way to help and serve others um, individually, for their business, for their team, for their community, and truly create impact. And sales is the vehicle to do that. And I love the concept that you talk about selling with love. I mean, I use something similar called selling with worthy intent. So I think we're on the exact same page. So sort of a love fest here. So I'm curious. So when you started the downless journey and you wanted to help businesses transform their view of sales and how they were approaching sales, um, did you have a specific process that you used? How do you introduce this and how do you make that transformation? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll start at the individual level. So I think that'll be quite um, relevant for your listeners as well. Is um, I go into more details in the book, but to keep things at a very simple level, I would say you're either selling from a place of fear or you're selling from a place of love. And the process that I would walk people through is first, you got to start understanding like what are the actual fears that you're having in your sales process? And this ends up being quite a simple exercise on paper, but the moment you start doing it, you start calming yourself down. Uh, I've noticed so many people, if they're selling a product, they're new at their job, maybe they're entrepreneurs. And if you're a service-based business and you're the product, it's, it double charges uh, the amount of anxiety that might come up. So the first thing I have people do is start actually making a list of what are you actually afraid of? Because in our mind, we're afraid of a thousand things. But on paper, you'll probably you know, give up at five. And you'll realize that maybe there's just five big fears that are holding me back, such as, well, I don't feel like I have, you know, I feel like I don't have enough experience. I feel like I don't know the product enough. I feel like um, people will, you know, will hate me or will be annoyed by me. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be happy if I make a sale. What if I don't keep my promises? You know, these these would be the type of fears that could come up. And I find it's very interesting as a first step to 
start investigating those. And to be honest, Lynn, you, you make a list of those and there's a possibility of all of them being true. Like the fear is not there as this evil thing you must eliminate and ignore. No, it, it if you have fears about selling is probably because you're a human being and you actually care. Like you, you, you don't want these fears to happen because you genuinely care about what's going to happen when you make the sale. And so, okay, well, it's fine to have the fears. And then I want us to start solving those fears, which is like, okay, let's say, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if the product's going to really make the difference that I promised. Well, we start looking at, well, what's the plan we can put in place to make sure that we do have a great product? How much can we understand the client better? How can we make sure we speak to some past clients that have had the product and see what difference it made in their life? So we can build up our confidence and understanding for the future people we're going to sell to to know that, hey, this is going to be a product that actually changes this aspect in your life, and it's important to change it. So that would be the framework where I would start is just going through the fears because it's hard to open up to the possibility of loving um, if you still are faced with so much fears around your sales process. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, that that is a terrific place to start with that growth mindset of what's holding you back. And uh, I uh, concur. <laughs> I love this. I love what we're talking about. So I'm curious. You know, through your journey, has there ever been anything uh, that held you back that you had to put use that piece of paper for yourself and write down your fears? Never. I've never had fears. I'm an android. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, I'll tell you, I think the most relevant place that I discovered uh, like that the power of using this framework was really been writing my book. Um, so I wanted to write a book. And to me, that was a product that I was developing. I was highly invested in. And, uh, you know, I started actually making the list of what are the reasons I'm afraid of writing a book. And some of the things that came up was like, am I, am I qualified enough? Am I, am I too young? Um, are people going to be interested? Are they going to find that I've wrote something? Am I going to give up in the process? And then I'll, I'll have something that I started and I didn't finish. So I had a ton of fears that came up. And I think they're kind the kinds of fears like, writing a book is a big project. It, it's a yeah. long-term investment. And I think, you know, the longer-term investment that it per- it's perceived as, the more you'll have fears that'll come up for it. And it's really important to kind of do this exercise. Fortunately, through a sales transaction, it's actually a much quicker process, uh, but the fears are still going to be there. But the moment I started solving all these fears, then I started having a plan for how to handle each and every one of them, which I thought was very interesting because it was a process that I actually uh, went through with a, uh, a supporting company that guided me through the writing process. And then I realized that, oh, this is also a very powerful sales tool for anybody. So if you're dealing with a client and you're solving problems and you have them write all the fears they have around facing this problem, they'll often realize that the solution or the plan to solve that fear will be to buy your product and service. And I was like, ooh, this was good to motivate me to write my book, but it was also very good to make me purchase whatever it is, the solution that this company was offering. And so I think it ends up being a tool you can use for yourself. And it's something you can walk with your clients through uh, to help them see if they really want to make a change. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really diving into what is keeping your clients up at night. You know, what are those big challenges and also the the aspirations? I mean, eventually it's, it really comes down to, you know, what matters to them and what's in it for them so that they can, what area of solution they're looking for, a problem they're trying to solve, so they can, so they can dot, 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 what, right? So I'm curious when you are working with clients uh, through this process yourself, now that you've done that, 
Um, what do you find holds them back? I mean, what is besides their fears after they get past writing their fears down? What are some of the other things that what can hold them back from making this transformation? Yeah. Well, when I work with people that are having struggles in sales, um, there's two major uh, things that I think are very relevant to me when, especially they're at the early stages uh, of their of their business uh, or in their their sales careers. Is the first one is they they have a very loose um, and wide targeting. Um, they they don't have a specific client that they're trying to serve, and thus they don't have specific knowledge about that client. So, say you're working for somebody who's uh, doing, well, let's say sales consulting. I'll use the the example of where I'm at. Um, you know, you can be a sales consultant for anybody who has struggles with sales, and that's great. But what makes you the best person to be able to serve that that clientele if you're not specific? And so, when I work with clients, it's always an exercise where we start with, okay, who are you trying to sell to? If we had to be more specific, what could we filter? And we get really, really specific. And in the same example, as I could say, oh, I'm a sales trainer for anybody with struggles with sales. Um, at one point, I was trying to really uh, run a campaign to support people that were coaches. They just got certified as a coach, uh, but they haven't had any sales experience. So I found out that a target market that I had was 42-year-old women who had just gone certified in a coaching modality, had quit their nine to five or were on the verge to do so to replace their income with a coaching income and still had troubles when it comes to sales based in America. And when I started being that specific, then when I spoke to that specific avatar and I had so many of them I had conversations with, I could know what keeps them up at night. I could understand the struggles they were going through. And I could even target them in the way that I did my marketing. And so, you know, you often hear like, oh, go niche. And and yes, there's there's value. You have to be specific before you go to the masses. Um, even if you look at a place like Walmart before being the the place that everybody goes shop, they were actually serving a very specific demographic in the Midwest, you know, s- uh, small towns in the outskirts. So they had to start specific as well. And even before it was Walmart, they had some specific niche they had to start before crossing over to being a mass market brand. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest places I start with people. Um, and I find that has a lot of struggle. I could move on to the second one, but I wondered if you had any questions about this. No, no, I totally understand. And it is very important because many of our products or services, you can, to your point, sell to all kinds of different people. But when you are trying to sell to everyone, you end up selling to no one. And so really um, focusing your attention on a place that fits your, you know, your product and service well, and how you can serve others and create impact and, and perhaps, you know, matches up with a passion that's a great place to start. So yes, I would love to hear tip number two. Well, I'll I'll, I'll say one more thing about the client space, uh, which I think uh, gives a visual picture for people who might find difficulty being so specific. Being specific to me is like setting the bullseye on a dartboard. Uh, I'm not saying that we're going to throw darts at our clients here. What I'm saying <laughs> is this is a, an understanding of the point system on a dartboard, right? So having like, okay, a wide target market is you decide which wall you're going to throw darts. And anybody who's going to buy is something that sticks on the dartboard. So when you set what the bullseye is, at least you know where you're aiming. But what's fascinating to me, if you look at a dartboard, is the bullseye isn't where the maximum points are. The maximum points are is actually at the triple 20. But you still need to set the board somewhere with the bullseye at the center 
to even know what you're aiming at and what it looks like. Then you can make optimizations. You'll be able to capture value across the board, but you got to set that bullseye. So I just wanted to add that part. The, um, the second thing I often work with people is <laughs> we, we come forward with a fear of selling. And I realize that oftentimes it's kind of a masquerade or at least a scapegoat for a deeper fear, which is what if the person does say yes, and now you actually need to deliver the product or service, or they end up with your company's product and service, and you're not fully on board with it. So you almost have to go and ask the question like, okay, would you be comfortable selling this to friends and family in a way that you know they would remember forever that they've gotten this product in their hands? And then some, if you're not ready, then it will come up here. And so we often, I, I'll have people I speak to and it's like, we have to go back to the drawing board. You don't have a sales problem. You have a product problem. You're not loving the product. You're, you're using sales as the excuse, but if you had an amazing product or you were selling for the company with an amazing product, you would have much less hesitation. So let's go and investigate what's going on there. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to passionately believe in what you're doing uh, or your product or service and how, if you're at a larger organization, how they're going to stand behind that product and service and how they're going to serve those clients. And when you do, it does actually make your job a heck of a lot easier. And in fact, I wouldn't even go there if you can't have that belief and that passion, that trust, um, the credibility there with the organization that you're working for or with. I mean, you're talking about, you know, running your entire sales career. Imagine I'll use the vehicle analogy. So, yay, go and drive that car down the road. You're trying to go as far as you can, but you have that handbrake just way up. And, you know, you'll be able to move forward, but something's dragging you the whole time. And, you know, sales can be a very, it's already a very emotionally draining experience. Like you're connecting with humans day in, day out at a high velocity. Some are some are rejections, some are wins, but more often than not, it'll be a negative. So you need some resilience. You need to have emotional management. You want to have self-care practices to go and sell a product that you're not absolutely proud of and excited about putting in their hands is going to be using you, you up so fast and you know, you'll, you'll burn out and, uh, It'll it almost take away a piece of your soul is how I'd say it. So yeah. um, you want to make sure that there's alignment there. And you know if it's if you you work in an organization and the product and service is just not at the level that you um, that you'd feel comfortable yeah. selling it, well, have a talk with the team. See what are the things that are holding you back. Is there truly a problem, and how can you start to fix it? Or might maybe and and I have to give this as a caveat, Lynn. Maybe it's your own mindset about it yeah. because. You know, if you're a Lamborghini salesman and you're making sixty thousand a year, and somebody walks in and says, "Should I buy this car?" and you say, "I think it's really overpriced, to be honest." If you get like a BMW, <laughs> it can go almost just as fast, and you'll save so much money. Then you're actually not having any compassion for the experience of the purchase that person was having walking into your dealership because you think you're the buyer, but you're yeah. not. Not always. And so make sure you go and speak to past clients, see what experience they've had to be very comfortable again, to sell a product that solves their problems, not yours. Yeah, absolutely. That is such great advice. Thank you so much. So um, I have a question for you, Jason, and that's with all the advice that you've provided for everyone who's tuning in, if you could direct them to do one thing that they could do today, tomorrow, this week, next week, um, that would help them embrace the concept of selling with love and how they could truly move forward, um, what would that be? 
You know, if I give one advice, something that they could just take action really quickly, if you're in an organization, go and find um, a list of 10 or more uh, happy clients that the organization has previously sold to and schedule a call to have a conversation with them and just be curious about them and just care. Uh, that should be amazing for your experience as a salesperson to realize, oh my God, this is the change I made in this person's life. I need to find more people like that so that you're feeling energized on the call. I think it's something that's often ignored. Um, I would say definitely only speak to the promoters and the, the, the happy people, the people that are not having a good experience with the company. I highly recommend salespeople not to talk to them because that's a customer support and a product development conversation, not a sales conversation. Because you'll also maybe realize that, hey, if I speak to those people that had a bad experience, that might be the wrong kind of person to attract <laughs> to this product. So why go poison yourself with something that might be completely disaligned with what you need to do, which is find more of the happy people. So if there is a way in your organization or in your own company to identify the promoters within your company, and for those who are familiar with the NPS score survey or net promoter score, you could find that very quickly. Go and have conversations with 10 people that have positive experience, get curious about who they are, what change in their life when they bought the product and see how it makes you more motivated to sell more once you've had those chats. All right. That will be fantastic. Jason, thank you so much. Very good advice. And thank you for sharing why people need to learn about selling with love. Um, I know that our audience is going to be on fire for this episode and they're going to want to know more about you and where they can connect with you. Yeah, I think the easiest way for people to get a chance to connect with me, Lynn, um, LinkedIn, come on, we're all in sales. We should be up to date on our LinkedIn. Um, so I'd love for the, uh, anybody who's inspired by this, wants to get a few of the freebies and the gifts that I offer, uh, just connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me that you heard me on this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. And if there's any struggles in sales, just let me know what's going on. I'll be able to give you some good advice. All right. That's brilliant. And we'll include all of Jason's links right below. So he's one click away. This has been such an informative discussion. Thank you, Jason. And thank you everyone who tuned in. And I want to remind everyone, if you have any ideas that you would like to share, you can leave us a comment down below. We do love hearing your thoughts. And of course, if you have a specific topic or a question, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitetoqueen.com. And to stay current on all of our insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages, all the resources that we offer, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms at petitequeen.com and you'll never miss an episode like this one with Jason today. And thank you again to everyone who tuned in. And Jason, thank you so much. This has been such a terrific, I'm just inspired um, <laughs> to go out and sell. <laughs> I'm hoping that's the result. So everybody at least gets a chance to get a fire under their belly and then go out there and make some beautiful, impactful sales.